Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, episode 153. Our guest today is Jennifer P. Jennifer launched her company in 2010, consulting with business owners to identify business gaps and opportunities to increase value and prepare for the next step, whether it's continued growth or profitable exit strategies. Jennifer has extensive experience in behind-the-scenes tactics of startup growth, acquisitions, and divestitures ranging from small companies to billion-dollar businesses. She provides expertise as being a certified public accountant, certified valuation analyst, investor, and business owner. Good morning, Jennifer. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Good morning. It's great to have you with us today, Jennifer. And you and your team have been working with clients in the financial segments and their businesses for some time now. And what are some of the biggest challenges you face with client financials and what's changed over time? Regardless of the type of business that we're working with, and we have a variety of different clients, cash flow is always one of those things that we run across. And what is challenging to businesses from a cash flow perspective certainly varies by business. But that's been one of the things that has been the most consistent in our time with the firm. Some of the changes that we've seen are really related to the types of businesses that are out there which I personally find fascinating. I'm just amazed sometimes at the things that people can make money at. So that keeps me from starting a whole bunch of my own businesses because I get to live vicariously through the business owners that we work with. But you know, some of the more recent things that we've run up against are labor. Finding good employees has really been a challenge for some of our clients. And those really are what help your operations keep running, And it takes so much time and energy to hire people and to get them trained and then they leave and then you get to start all over again. So that's one of the things that we've seen, I would really say in the last two to three years, that's been a change from what we saw in the first six or so years of the company. I can imagine you get a broad spectrum of experiences with the financials of companies, especially some of the new, as you mentioned, very interesting new new startups and that. I imagine the financials are interesting also from a startup standpoint. You mentioned cash flow. I didn't know we needed that. Just kidding. What are some of the profiles out there today with some of the newer companies? Well, the newer companies, and even I would say companies, maybe somebody's acquiring and so they're putting a new spin on it. It might be an existing company and not just a startup. But in both of those cases, the thing that really kind of catches some of those business owners off guard is actually how much capital it takes to fuel growth. And a lot of times what we see is that Revenue is increasing at a remarkable pace, but something in the process, whether it's invoicing or collection or terms that they're offering around how that revenue is converting into cash, kind of hamstrings them. So they're growing rapidly. They're like, I have all of the customers, and they're not collecting the cash in a way that's matching the increased expenses that come with that growth. 
So all of a sudden they can find themselves, you know, six months, 12 months down the road with a pile of bills that are hard to pay and real questions about whether they can make payroll, which no business owner likes to be laying awake at night wondering how they're going to make payroll. So that's really been one of the challenges with looking at not just business models, but cash flow models and predicting how the cash is going to come in and how things need to be timed so that your biggest dream doesn't become your worst nightmare. And Jennifer, I know in your work, you work on a lot of company value. That term comes up quite often and different business owners have a number of different ways of looking at value. How do you look at value? For most of our customers, we look at value as a multiple, which is a a term that's also thrown around quite a bit in the financial sector, but we look at it as a multiple of cash flow. Now, cash flow can vary a little bit depending upon what kind of company you're talking about. If you have a service business, it really is largely some form of income off of your profit and loss. could be earnings before interest, taxes, and depreciation. It might be net income. There are a few companies where value is based on revenue, but being profitable is certainly important to a potential buyer or a bank or an investor. You know, they want to know that their money is going to be put to good use and there's some sort of a return on that. If you have a company that is capital intensive, So if it has a lot of machinery and it needs to replace that machinery, so it has capital expenditures on a fairly frequent basis, then that's something else that gets factored into cash flow. But for the most part, if a business owner is wanting to get a sense of their value, the first place to start is by looking at their income statement and seeing what kind of trend they have on their bottom line. And, you know, one of the things that I think really starts to hang people up there is that we have a lot of business owners who, when they're living and working in their businesses, are trying to minimize their taxes, which also minimizes their profitability and their cash flow. And it's a really interesting dynamic when we're trying to help our business owners balance that and figure out, okay, which one is the priority and is there such a thing as a happy medium? So how do you thread that needle? It depends on what their number one goal is. And that's really the question. So the challenge is that your number one goal can change. (laughs) And so, you know, for the first five years of your business, you wanted to minimize taxes. And now, you know, you've got a business owner that let's say they want to get a loan to do an expansion, right? Whether that's to start offering a new product line, whether that's to hire some folks, whether that's to just scale up, whether it's to open a new location, to buy a piece of machinery, there's all sorts of options there. And they need to be able to prove to whomever is providing them the funding, and let's just say it's a traditional bank, that they can make that loan payment. And the way the bank looks at that is by looking at their income statement to see how much, quote unquote, money is left over (laughs) to be able to make that loan payment. And when you've got a business that's been minimizing their taxes, they may or may not be able to do that. In some cases, you can prove that an adjusted income statement would be valid. But what we really talk to our business owners about is whether you're trying to buy a piece of equipment or whether you want to sell your company outright, you really have to look at it at least on a three-year time horizon. Two years if you can't do three years, because that's the time frame that a bank or an investor or a buyer is going to be looking at. 
And that's really the biggest challenge with business owners is getting them to think about a potential exit or a potential financing situation before they're right up on top of it. So it's useful to us for our longer term clients because we have those conversations on an ongoing basis. The bigger challenge is when we get companies who are in need of doing something immediately and we're a little late to the party. So if you're having the conversation, it's easy enough to get them engaged in. The bigger challenges are the ones that we're not working with on an ongoing basis and then come to us and want evaluation immediately because they want to sell the company and, oh my gosh, now it's not worth what they need to get out of it. Do you find that a lot of your initial outreach is from companies that either have some kind of emergency or have stumbled into an opportunity to sell and they just need to get to a number? Less so than it used to be. So our clients used to be a lot more of the, oh my gosh, I need it yesterday type of model. We have a lot more clients that we've worked with where we're working with them on an ongoing basis or even just this week. We've got clients that came back to us that are asking us to update their valuations that we had done two or three years ago to see how things have changed. One of the things that we do when we're performing valuations for companies is really add a layer of management consulting and financial insight into their results so that they know what things that they can change. You know, there are certain factors in evaluation that business owners don't have any control over the economic environment, as an example. But for the things that they do have control over, we help them understand what's really going to make a difference and what's not going to matter as much. So as an example, if we have business owners that could improve their revenue and based on their business model, improving their revenue would really have an exponential impact on their bottom line because they've already covered their fixed costs. Then we'll talk to them about that. And that's much more important than documenting all of their processes and procedures so they have a guidebook for the next owner that comes along. And, and really, the key to what we help our business owners with is making sure that they're focused on the right things to actually have an impact on their value. As I'm sure we're all aware, there's a thousand things you can do in your business, and some of them matter a lot to the value, and some of them don't matter much at all. Jennifer, there's an element in business that I would call the financial team. And in small businesses starting out, it may be a half person sometime. Um, It may be evolving as the business grows and systems come in place for the financials. How does that team model look to you for various sizes of businesses and how might it progress in today's world? That is a really great question. For most businesses, the very first thing that you need is somebody who is managing, monitoring, tracking, recording, just the day-to-day stuff. Like, let's make sure the customers get invoiced. Let's make sure the customers pay and recording the bills that the company needs to pay. So you really want somebody who is detail-oriented. A lot of times you can think of them as a bookkeeper or an accounting clerk. They don't have to be a CPA by any stretch of the imagination in terms of that day-to-day activity that you've got going on. One of the things that they bring to the table when you have somebody like that who's doing that is that you have a fairly good sense at any given point in time about where you stand on that cash flow cycle and on how much your sales are. 
one of the things that I know happens to a lot of smaller companies in the beginning is that you can feel like you're doing a lot of work and you're having a lot of conversations and you have a lot of proposals out or potential customers and it's not really translating into revenue. So in the very beginning, it's important that you're getting that recorded as quickly as possible so that you know whether your sales efforts are actually generating any real revenue that's going to help you sustain your business. That model works either on a part-time or a full-time basis until a company gets, I would say, around the 2 to $3 million mark. Then once you get to about $3 million, then it's a good idea to have either a part-time accounting manager or controller. People have different titles that they can attach to that. But what you're really looking for is somebody that can do a level of analysis. So what are your trends over time? If you look at this year versus last year, if you look at this month versus last month, it's particularly important if the business has some seasonality to it or other types of cycles so that you understand that there's a natural ebb and flow to the way the business results come in. And having somebody who has a little bit of that analytical view can be very, very helpful. Most of the time, that's not going to be your day-to-day bookkeeper or accounting clerk. It's going to need to be somebody else. You don't really need a full-time controller probably until you get to at least a $10 million mark, but there are a lot of outsourced options for fractional CFOs or fractional controllers, and those are really good resources for companies. The other thing is usually when you get to about that $3 million level, the business owner needs to have someone that they can bounce ideas off of and talk to about the financials of the company that really understands what the results look like. And for a lot of small businesses, there isn't anybody else inside the company that the business owner can talk to. So having that controller is a great opportunity to help them just vet ideas, to look at results, to figure out budgeting also, as an example. Once you get to that $10 million mark, that's a position that you probably do want to have in-house and the level and the type of person that you want may be industry specific. Really, that's going to depend on the company and how much volatility the industry itself has inside of it. So Jennifer, I completely agree with that advice. And we've seen a lot of businesses employ sort of fractional CFO services and financial advising at different stages. And I know from personal experience and working with a lot of business owners, this is an area that makes people really uncomfortable. You know, a lot of them don't quite have their act together and they're so busy trying to acquire customers and service customers that sometimes the books kind of fall apart. I'm really curious, like how can you help relate this to a time where you worked with somebody and really created a lot of value that otherwise just would not have been there in that business? Yeah, that is the perfect question. One of the projects that we worked on here recently is a company that had a variety of things going on. Perfect storm in some ways. So one was they had actually outgrown the person that was in charge of the accounting. And they were growing very rapidly, which is partly why they outgrew their accounting person and they didn't really recognize it. So when we went in and were looking at their financials, first and foremost, what they were trying to figure out was, 
we're growing so quickly. We've added 10 offices in the last three years. And our revenue is just exponentially making strides. And we can't figure out why we don't have any money. So what we looked at was, okay, how did you grow your revenue? What are your collection practices? And how is the money going out? And they had a couple of different challenges going on that we were able to identify and then start putting plans in place, as well as help them eventually hire somebody else full time. The first thing that we figured out for them on the revenue side and the cash inflow side was that they had payment plans for their customers that lasted longer than the service period. So they were doing all of the work. Let's say they were doing all of the work in a 12-month period, but it was taking them three years to collect because they had the payment plan at the outset. So that was one problem. The other part of that was that they were bonusing some of their employees on a very current basis and only on bookings and not on any sort of payment pattern. So those were a couple of things related to the revenue side. On the outflow side, one of the big things that we figured out was that they had very large payments coming due all at the same time. Some of them were related to rent on those 13 offices. Some of them were related to payroll. And they had two separate payrolls that they were running in a way that sometimes they both happened at the same time. Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they offset by a week. And the weeks where they both had to be paid out at the same time, it put enormous pressure on the company from a cash perspective. So we changed the timing of one of the payrolls such that it was permanently on a schedule And now we just had one payroll every week. The other thing that we did was they had started using some short-term financing that was creating a lot of cash flow pressure. And we were able to get them in a cycle where that was paid off and they could stabilize their cash flow and be more specific about how they were using it. So I would say that the investigation probably took a couple months and then getting the processes and systems in place so that the processes were defined and um, we had a daily cash flow projection that we started doing that we handed off to the new controller so that she could continue monitoring it and then they stabilized they were able to start paying off debt and they've continued to keep growing and now the owner can sleep at night and probably has a much better handle on what actually is going on inside the business as well yes and i you know not to put words in his mouth but there's a little bit of mortification when he found out what he didn't know He was a little embarrassed about the fact that he didn't realize what had been going on or not going on. There's a bit of both. I think a lot of business owners, and not inappropriately, have a lot of trust in their accounting and their financial department and the folks that they're relying on. And I think there's a belief that, and it should be this way, but there's a belief that if that accounting person or that financial person gets in over their head, they're going to kind of wave the white flag and say, yeah. I am no longer qualified for my job. And that's an unrealistic expectation (laughs) that that you have employees who are going to be like, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing anymore. And with few exceptions, business owners are not financial wizards. That's why they hired somebody to fill that role. So one of the things that we talk to our business owners about is you need just a handful of key indicators about the health of your business 
that you can easily track and that are easy to be provided instead of just standard financial statements so that you know if something's running off the rails that you as a business owner can easily get to and you don't have to wait for the month end financials or you don't have to wait until your tax returns prepared and so we really encourage our business owners to have those key metrics and some of them should be operational and some of them should be financial and Jennifer, I know a number of business owners at some point in their business, they're thinking about exiting or transferring. What are the steps that need to come into place on the financial side when it comes down to thinking about exit and exit strategy? So beyond some of the value conversations that we've already had, one big thing is for them not to be messy. <laughs> and I know that sounds very vague, but if you think about a buyer who's going to be going through a due diligence process on your business, some part of that is going to really be digging through your financials. And the more concise and routine and transparent your financial records are, the more credibility that puts not just in your financial results, but for your company as a whole. You don't really want to give a buyer an opportunity to question the results that they're seeing. Because for the most part, that your exit price is going to be based on your financial results. And we've seen businesses, some of them have been our clients that are getting ready to sell. And we've also looked at businesses when we're helping buyers. And we've got people who have done their own books for a really long time and it doesn't really matter to them when operating expenses get recorded. So they'll just sit down and do six months at one time. And that's okay as long as you're running your business and you have your fingers on the pulse. But when you're trying to present it to somebody else, those are things that you really want to have in order and make sure that everything's being recorded that you have the financial reports that'll support you know, what you're telling them. So if you're telling somebody that you're having your revenues grown 10% for each of the last five years, you should be able to prove that on a financial statement. So one of the things that we'll run into, and there are times where we do projects where we go in and clean up the financial systems and records in advance of a sale so that our business owners can better present their financial results. There's a little bit of an analogy here about like staging your house, right? How you stage your house to sell it is different than how you live in your house. And some of that's a little bit true. And that's not about making your results look different than they really are. It's just making sure that they're being presented in a way that a buyer can understand and that reflect the results of your business along with all of the other information that a buyer might get. Jennifer, that's great advice and certainly spoken from a lot of experience in the industry. Thank you so much for sharing with us today some really insightful insight in a lot of the financials and a lot of the positioning of your business on an ongoing basis. And even as we just talked about the exit side of the equation, real value. Thank you so much. Thank you. And is there anything else you'd like to leave with our audience today? Well, I would certainly invite everyone to visit our website, which is peakadvisory.com. It's two E's. And one of the things that you might check out while you're on the website under our services page, if you scroll down close to the bottom, we have three case studies that really add a lot of color and depth to the concepts that I've been talking about today. Our guest today has been Jennifer Peak. 
business owner, CPA, certified valuation analyst, investor, consultant, and podcaster. You can learn more about Jennifer as well as find links to her website and content all on our website at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.